This is a fourth hand production. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental I don't know, planes that they're building? Police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. There's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome to Strange Uncles, Strange Uncle News. I'm Shane. I'm John. I guess I'll be Josh today. <laughs> Just this Why one not? time. You have yeah, no yeah. choice. <laughs> yeah, no yeah choice you're kind of screwed on that one. Complete. Yeah. Welcome, everybody. So uh, for those of you who have listened to us, this is our monthly news episode. We've got some really cool stuff kind of gathered up. Um, I, I guess I want to test the waters and see how you guys are doing with the atmosphere around us. Not only the COVID thing, but the temp and everything else. We've been holding our own, but we're going to get hit again with heat, evidently. Yeah, it cooled off down here a little bit, but yeah, it was only a little bit today. Yeah, hmm? uh, I think we we got a storm, some, you know, coming in. So there's a storm a brewing. Yeah, storms a brewing. Man, I'll tell Fascinating. you, fascinating. It was it was so nice yesterday. Was I think 82 was high, and again storms. And so I came home, opened up all the windows. It was humid, but I know listeners that doesn't sound like it's pleasant weather at 82 degrees. But man. With the wind and everything blowing in, oh, it felt so good. It, it was almost like a spring breeze. It was beautiful. So nice. I'd, t- I'd take eighty-two any old day. Yeah, yeah. yeah my computer's telling me it's eighty-three right now, but my phone is telling me it's ninety. So <laughs> believe your computer. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna go with the phone. Are you gonna just saddle it in the middle and just do do you know either or? So. No, I know everybody's going through that. I know that, uh, you know, any of you listeners are on anywhere near the West, we've got things going on, uh, East, monsoons, like it's just crazy, you know, but uh, we're paying attention. So, you know, for those of you out there that give a shit, we care. So just so you know, and we'll just kind of keep it going. Um, I did want to throw a quick thing. So we're still talking about strangers around the table for a Patreon exclusive. So Patreon members, stand by for that. Uh, Again, appreciate the membership. We had another new membership come up. Uh, I want to say real quick, and I don't want to like date myself here, but I've been wanting to start this book for literally six months, and I finally got a chance to. You guys know about Elvira, right? You've heard the name kicking around a bit. I mean, yeah, I know. of the character. Dark. Yeah, right, right. She's On been Monsters around. or something. Nah, I know. Nah, she was like, yeah, 80s, 90s. Like she's, been, she's still around, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I think most of us know who she is. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a gal that was before her in the 40s, 50s called Vampira. And there was a new book that came out. And it's actually written by her niece. And I got to say, I'm probably like chapter three, chapter four. And it's pretty goddamn good. She talks about meeting Orson Welles and almost having sex with him and da da da. Like it's it's actually kind of cool. As Tell dumb as it sounds. It. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Last time me and Orson met. Oof. Yeah, was it hot and mistake. heavy? Did he use that it's, voice on you? It's That's weird what that you. that book looks nothing like the trickster in the paranormal that I thought you were starting. I am trying to start that one. I'm like literally, I got chapter two in that one as well, uh, dude. I'm I'm not holding your book hostage. I will give it, <laughs> I will give it back to you for sure. I just, I just want you to read it. I know. Honestly, I, I know. I thought it said Gilmore Girls. I thought you were going to share us. Uh, 
Oh, you, you got the book about the what's up with uh, with Lorelai and whatever the other one was named. <laughs> I've never even seen that show, so I have no clue what you're talking. I about. I have no idea either. I just know it's a show. That's funny. Now, but I need what is that some... called again? I don't think you said that. Um, it's called Glamour Ghoul: uh, Glamour The Passions Ghoul. and Pain of the Real Vampira. So yes, you know, it really like does said, look like it says Gilmore Girls. <laughs> it probably does. Actually, now that I'm looking at it, you know, come to from, from the Zoom so. camera, kind of, you know, just briefly <laughs> looking at it. I hate to break it. If I said that I was reading a book on Gilmore Girls, I think I quit this podcast and go hide. I don't yeah. know if that would. I, be I a just thing. would want to know what your take on it was. <laughs> right, I'm Hot takes. Um, hey. I actually just ordered a new book. Uh, oh, it should be here in October, so I pre-ordered it. Um, it's by Ross Colthart. I, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, but mm. uh, it's called In Plain Sight, an investigation into UFOs and impossible science. Nice. Um, right. Yeah. UFOs, UAPs, flying scars, extraordinary new technologies. Are we not alone? Award-winning investigative journalist Ross Colthart has been intrigued by UFOs since mysterious glowing lights were reported near New Zealand's Kaikoura Mountains when he was a teenager. Mm. So, um, and goes on and on. But yeah, excited for that one. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, I needed, I think more than anything, I just needed something that was kind of a fun read, but still weird. And so, yeah. you know, that's why I picked that up. But no, dude. Ah, yeah, let me know. So, well, with that being said, one of the reasons we talk about what we're reading is because we, every now and again, throw out, again, for our Patreon listeners, um, some just some book reviews, you know, and we actually had a couple books recommended to us by our Patreons. And of course, we read and we recommend them back to you. You know, it just, it, it's all, honestly, you know, if we find time to do it, it it's, it's a nice little break. It's relaxing for us and we get to share with you guys. So, you know, if you're not a Patreon member, you can become one at uh, patreon.com slash strange uncles. You can find us. We are Please out there. Yeah. Um, do you guys have anything else? Any little updates or anything before we kind of roll into the newsies news? No, no, I don't. <laughs> you sound so forlorn, sir. Well, let's start simple. I'll kick this round roundhouse off. I actually saw this this morning. Um, this is actually out of the UK. Uh, kind of cool. Mystery crop circle appears on Dorset Field. So we're not going to explain what crop circles are. You guys should already know that. Uh, we're actually trying to get somebody on that is a, uh, a researcher on crop fields. She's been there for years. Just haven't kind of laid down some dates yet. But um, this is interesting. So images were taken after heavy mist yesterday evening by a member of the Echo Camera Club. He said, whatever your views of such formations, I have to say this was an impeccably chosen location made all the more stunning by the weather. Uh, and I don't know, you, I sent you guys the links, you got them. You can see the pictures in there, and, and we'll probably mm-hmm. put these on the show notes too. You know, crop circles always fascinate me. And this article does state, you know, say, you know, in May 2015, the Echo reported that an impressive crop circle in a Celtic design had appeared in a field at Thornacombe near Blandford. Uh, farmers have reported finding strange circles in their fields for centuries. The earliest mention, and I did not know this, of a crop circle dates as far back as the 1500s, which oh, I didn't know that. I didn't either. I was kind of surprised. Like, wow, that's that's a step back in time for sure. Uh, mentions yeah, of- didn't they call them like the devil's? Grass or the devil's mower. They or did. I think the devil's hay. I, I think devil's hay. Like right? Devil's lettuce. <laughs> yeah, the devil's. I think it was like the devil's hay or some shit like that. But yeah, yeah. They, the, they well, they were to, growing weed. Yeah, what was really of happening. Course, yeah, they were hiding it in the fields. Is what they were doing. But yeah, whatever. 
to none, none the wiser for sure. Uh, mentions of crop circles were rare into the 20th century when circles began appearing in the 1960s and 70s in England and the United States. So we have the same phenomena over here. Uh, but really, it wasn't until 1980 when everything started gaining attention and it kicked off. And we had these circle, these um, crop circles were like 60 feet in diameter. Um, kind of crazy. But, you know, I find it interesting because I know most of you listeners have heard crop circles. I know you probably read about them, whatever have you. But I guess it just fascinates me that they're still around and they're still such a bipartisan on, okay, now these are man-made. There's some guy with a plank one out there, which is a movie I watched one day. And then and then on the other flip side, there's a very, very adamant following that, nope, they're not man-made. This is communication. Somebody's talking to us or someone or something and you go down that rabbit hole. So I don't know. I just found it interesting that it popped up. That's uh, cool. Well, regardless, you know, I always like to try. I'm always on the skeptical side of things, but they're cool looking and interesting. One of my things is just like, you're going to cut, like if it was communication, it's like, that's how you're, you're, that, <laughs> you're that advanced of a civilization that you've made your way here. And like, that's how you choose to communicate with us is just some bullshit in a wheat field in England. Uh, Touche. Very much. I mean, well, yeah. I'm, well, you, you know, know what, though? I mean, I, I and a, I'm yeah, not yeah. saying they're not really, like, yeah, I've, yeah. I've watched some videos that were very convincing that where, like, I've been like, oh, these are definitely aliens making these. Holy <laughs> shit. And then, like, I'm like, uh-huh. I don't know. I they're know. just, uh, you know, billionaires, kids from other planets graffitiing. Is that, is that what it is? Well, you know what? I actually read a, a report the other day. It was a while ago, actually, that um, this guy has a theory that he believes it's aliens, but he doesn't believe they're doing it for communication. He believes it's kind of like roadmaps for other aliens that are coming. And oh, so they put these the things movie down. signs from 2000 fucking yeah, one. There you go. Yeah. Very well, good. That's a bad yeah. idea. That's a bad roadmap. You're putting it in a wheat field. Like, why don't you just like etch it into the grand Canyon or something? Yeah. Or yeah. Fucking plant a post up or on a tree or something. Nazca I don't know. Desert in Peru. Mm, <laughs> I like where you're going, sir. So, yeah. No, yeah. I, th- I think it is interesting though, because like everyone is adamant about their explanation, but like none of them are mutually exclusive. Like for sure. Some of them mm-hmm. are some dudes with, some boards and some rope just knocking shit down oh, and for sure some of them are definitely not that yeah. yeah well and if they're dating back to the 1500s uh yay for those pranksters if they kept this going this long i mean shit you know god damn well they didn't so. have uh like flashlights and shit in the 1800s you have all <laughs> right. night to do that shit man I, the I, guess. I guess i don't know anyway no, i thought it was cool you know always good to see a uh, good old crop circles pop up in our uh, high strangest feed so anyway yeah. yes i love a good crop dusting yeah yeah <laughs> jesus next well uh i hate to ruin the the mood but this is a little buzzkill from uh futurism.com by dan robitsky uh and it's basically saying scientists warn that the earth is literally dying uh a team of scientists just took the planet's vitals and delivered a grim prognosis. The damage that humanity is causing may be terminal. Oh. So basically, in other words, the planet is in really, really bad shape. Uh, out of the 31 metrics of ecological health that a team of prominent scientists from a long list of universities around the world looked at, 18 are facing all-time poor results, yeah. they told Agents France Press. So. That's not good. Researchers, yeah, the researchers behind the update are among the 14,000 experts who have now signed a statement saying the planet is in a state of emergency. 
So thanks to a business as usual approach to managing our pale blue dot, they conclude in a report slated for publication in the journal Bioscience, we as a global society are approaching many environmental tipping points and have already blown past several others. Wow. Uh, wow. Well, and so the laundry list. It's, uh, Continue, atmosp- please. Yeah. Atmospheric methane and carbon dioxide levels are at record high. Arctic ice and glaciers are at an all-time low. Sea levels and oceanic temperatures are at their highest, as is the rate of deforestation in the Amazon. And the list of standout ecological horrors continues. And And University of Exeter Global Systems Institute Director of... Uh, Director Tim Linton warned AFP that the damage is already making the climate behave in shocking, unexpected ways. And just a little bit Mm. more. So the problem the experts say is that focusing too much on any single issue might become a wild goose chase. They say that the overall problem more than any single factor or hazard is humanity's winner-take-all approach to planetary stewardship. Uh, we need to stop treating the climate emergency as a standalone issue. Global heating is not the sole symptom of our stressed earth system. Oregon State University ecolo- ecologist William Ripple told AFP, policies to combat the climate crisis or any other symptom should address their root cause, human over-exploitation of the planet. Jesus Christ, Mr. Fucking Funzy. Wow. Yeah, so I hate to bring it down, but I came across <laughs> that and I thought it was you know worth sharing maybe – you know, if we can all pull together and try and, I don't know. I mean, I'm part yeah. of the problem too. You know, I live, I, I have Reeboks and I, you know, like, you I don't know how you. Fucking <laughs> bastard. <laughs> you and your how fucking dare Reeboks. You with your Reeboks, sir. <laughs> but, you know, like I'm, you know, I got two cars and stuff, but I try yeah, not. Man. I, I don't know, but I think if we can all just try and do a little better, recycle, yeah. maybe ride Fuck a bike. That ride a bike before you drive a car if when you at all possible yeah. i mean uh, yeah everyone should do whatever they can but like the individual actions don't add up to shit there are like 100 or less companies oh, that million, are responsible million. for most of the pollution we know who the fuck they are we know where the yeah, fuck yeah, they live yeah. <laughs> why are they not being held accountable like fucking not using plastic straws ain't gonna do shit when uh, DuPont is poisoning the fucking earth. Well, you know, I, I, also yeah, stop yeah. shopping at Amazon, like shipping container ships are one of the biggest polluters. And you got to realize that whenever you buy something like not to get all America mm-hmm. first on everyone, but when you, when you buy shit that's imported, it has to be shipped. And that is fucking so bad. Oh yeah. It's fuel. It's fucking everything out. I, and you know what? I hate to agree with you, Josh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I think yes, being an individual diplomat definitely is some at the same way. I fucking same situation. We got two cars, you know, I got two fuck. I'm trying to do something different with the front lawn just so I'm not wasting water. Like I'm trying yeah. as an individual, but yes, when you talk about these huge fucking corporate, you talk about fucking Jeff Bezos that just flew into fucking space and he came back saying, "Oh, I want to thank everybody who hired for Amazon to, you know, I could fly out there." Like you, piece I think of shit. the direct quote is, "I want to thank all Amazon shoppers and employees because they paid for this," which mm. is like a huge fuck you to Amazon employees yeah, that are just severely yeah. underpaid. Yeah, um, but yeah. fucking. So the book I've been reading, which I didn't mention at the top because I was waiting for this story, actually, is <laughs> called uh, Post-Scarcity Anarchism by a young man named Murray Bookchin. 
Um, and I thought it was going to be all Molotov cocktails and, and uh, revolution, but it's really about how if we automate farming and uh, industry and with an ecological mindset, right? So don't exploit the environment, just use, use your resources to their fullest potential without being a fucking bastard. Um, that would free up time for people to do things like make art and hang out and just be fucking people. And I fucking love it. I think that's like the way to go. It's it's just basically about a better way to organize society, which I'm sure no one gives a fuck about. But yeah, that's interesting. The, the the thing that drives me the most crazy about this, and I've been thinking about it a lot lately, to the point of where it's taking a pretty significant toll on my mental health. Actually, is that we choose to do the dumb shit that's fucking up the planet as a society, and we could just not fucking do it. Agreed. That's Agreed. All it, it, it sounds so easy. Not. It sounds and, so easy, but it, it is a thing, right? But and, then and, we'd and, have you know, to like come to terms with the fact that like we decided that we need money to survive when we don't need money to survive. Well, and we yeah, decided but I mean, those social are, construct, man. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean those yeah. social constructs are pretty far in there. Like Yeah, they're deeply ingrained. I, I mean, those are, I guess those are, those are nice ideas, but like Yeah, to say we could just stop is a little oversimplistic but at the end of the day we're going to have to because either society is going to break down as we all start dying or well we got to fix it before then right here's the thing unfortunately it's not going to be you know we're going to you know we're going to have to decide to stop it's going to be we are we will be forced to stop well basically they're you know what i gathered from that article is we're pretty much past any point of yeah like like yeah, we, we tip the threshold. So, like there's a, I read um, this know, other article. Eventually this is going to turn into Cormac McCarthy's the road and that'll be that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. so, oh, well, hey, just to bring hey, everybody down. Hey. I like to bring you down so Josh can bring you right back up. Yeah. There you go, Josh. Hit it. rosy outlook on life. Cause you know, I'm a very <laughs> positive dis- person. You're, you're Some would say toxically. So <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. Uh-huh. Oh, fucking hell. Um, All right. Here's this. Here's this one that, Okay, guys, bear with me. The title sounds uh, way worse than the article actually is. <laughs> but, you know, as a ray of sunlight and hope, um, prison planets. Ah, Could classic. the Kessler syndrome <laughs> explain why we haven't heard from aliens? <laughs> uh, and this is by uh, Greg, who is the owner and proprietor editor of the Daily Grail, which I who I did not realize is also the author of... Uh, stop worrying there probably is an afterlife which is like one of the uh hmm. better books written about past life experiences and and near-death experiences oh i didn't know that. um but anyway so uh there's a reason they call it space there's a lot of it from the distance between planets to the tiny relative size of satellites compared to the volume of orbital space around the earth there seems to be a lot of clear air quote unquote uh, for want of a better term in parentheses, um, available for space flight. But things aren't exactly what they seem when it comes to the latter case of orbital space around the Earth. Uh, and this is because of an effect that's become known as the Kessler syndrome, given that name based on a seminal paper co-authored in 1978. Hey, yay, it's as old as me by astrophysicist and NASA scientist Donald Kessler. In collision frequency of artificial satellites, the creation of a debris belt, Kessler and co-author Burton Core 
uh, Palais once uh, pointed out that as the number of artificial satellites in Earth orbit increases, the probability of collisions between satellites also increases. And furthermore, that any initial satellite collision would produce orbiting fragments, a cloud of unintentional missiles traveling at tens of kilometers per second, each of which would increase the probability of further collisions leading to what is known as collisional cascading. God, this is great. Jesus Christ. Um, All fun stuff. All fun stuff. (laughs) If you've seen Alfonso Cuaron's 2013 movie, Gravity, you know exactly how this works. Did you guys see that movie with Sandra Bullock and George Clooney? Yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that movie fucking freaked me out, um, being terrified of heights. But anyway, um, once the exponential chain of collisions begins, it will keep going for decades until there isn't until there's a shell of debris surrounding the Earth, orbiting at high speed, capable of destroying any other object that enters that zone of destruction. Jesus Christ. And this isn't a hypothetical. According to Donald Kessler, it has already begun. The cascade is happening right now, Kessler told The Guardian after uh, being started by a collision in 2009 between two communication satellites, the Iridium-33 and the derelict Russian military satellite Cosmov 2251. That once... Or sorry, that one event is said to have created around 1,000 pieces of debris that will likely orbit the Earth for the next 10,000 years. If Kessler's scenario plays out in the coming decades, it will have grave implications for modern society. Cascading collisions of satellites and a resulting dead zone that limits our ability to place satellites in orbit could play havoc with telecommunications, weather forecasting, and other systems that depend on this technology. But there is another possible implication. (laughs) Could an orbital shell of debris grow to a size and density where it is virtually impervious to spacecraft attempting or impervious to spacecraft attempting to leave the planet at the moment transition. Sorry. At the moment, transiting the debris field seems less of a problem than that of the issue with satellites, which have, to sit within the zones, as Custer said, you can cross the street a lot safer than living in the middle of it, but taken to the extreme, it's possible that residents of a planet might become prisoner on it within a century of their civilizations, learning how to escape their gravity well and become a spacefaring civilization. That's a question. I read it like a statement Um, in short, just a little bit more here um, in short, could the answer to the Fermi paradox, if aliens exist, where is everybody be that, they're all isolated on their own planets, locked in by an orbital debris field created by their Jesus own technological Christ success. Almighty. One would hope that any advanced civilization would eventually be able to figure out a way to clear a path so they can leave their own planet. But all the same, perhaps we should add the prison planet possibility to the list of proposed answers to the Fermi paradox, like the zoo hypothesis and the great filter theory. Okay. Okay. All right. So, this is such a happy episode. It's so fucking so happy. glad I'm part of this. This is awesome. Um, I, honestly, w- with all the joking aside, that is a fear that I've had for a long time, just not framed in that same terminology. Does that make sense? It's the yeah. same thing to where we don't have fucking plan. We can make something. We can invent something. We can send it out, whether it's plastic, whether it's a fucking satellite to go on it, or whether it's a rover to go to Mars. But nobody... Nobody has a fucking inclination and a look forward thinking or given a shit 
to say, how are we going to recover said? What is this going to do for what nobody answers those questions? And this is where exactly yeah. this fucking leads to. Right. And, I and when they do, they're like people that do we trust what they're really saying? Like, I, I right. want to say it right. was China a couple of years ago, put up a couple of satellites that they said were, were they were testing to like clear up space debris, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone thought that they were really more like spy satellites or satellite killing satellites well yeah because of china right i mean you know what are you gonna so actually making the problem worse yeah yeah yeah. um and then also to go back to uh jeff bezos this is space tourism um jesus when he got back he had like the opposite effect that most people get when they get that uh view of earth from space of of where it's like humbling and like Like holy shit this is just one planet hung in the middle of nowhere we don't we need to take care of it he came back with that and was like yeah we need to take care of this special place we live so we should like push all this pollution to space yeah yeah right yeah which like that doesn't fucking help dude (laughs) well not only that but look at and again not to fucking drone on and on about this but look at what fucking uh look at all those starlinks that are set up how many thousands is planned to be there for free internet how many what is it we covered this months ago i think Uh, we had thousands um there's like four hundred thousand satellites extremely small okay but still but it's still a fact you're still you're still adding to the problem you're not yeah, taking away. Yeah, I mean, you can still problem. fill up a landfill a landfill with a bunch of beer cans, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like here's a fucking thing. You can have a jar of fucking marbles, but if that jar is fucking 10,000 gallons, I don't care how fucking small those marbles are. That's mm-hmm. a thing, right? Yeah. So, that's our problem. We don't forward think. We don't care, and that goes back to and again, not to be all fucking Debbie Downer rah, rah, on this one, but it goes back to John's article a little bit. We don't care. We don't we will change our habitat to make ourselves work with it and however we want to do that it's the same thing as future and when you look at the debris and i thought about that like they talk about you know launch of space shuttles there's going to be a fucking day when you're going to space shuttles aren't going to be able to get off this planet because there's going to be fucking junk in the way what do we do then then what's the what is the solution then that's tomorrow's problem. Yeah, exactly. We'll be dead. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, maybe not all of us, but like us three will oh be dead. Oh my God, dude. I'm just <laughs> us three fucking for sure. crazy. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that's uh, people with kids is kids problem. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I know that's been said for how many centuries, you know? Oh, well, well, I'm going to leave it for my grandkids. You know, they can I mean, worry about it. That is know? the one thing that makes me feel good about all of this doom and gloom is like, I don't have kids. So like, whatever. <laughs> Well, I, I've got a kid, so it's like, Jesus, what kind of what kind of world is he going to grow up in? You know, I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, it's, scary to, it's scary to think you know? about, man. It, it, it really you is. can come really to Camp Gistel Lake after I build it and eventually turn it into a compound <laughs> to survive the impending climate wars. You let me know if you want a campground host. I will be there like the guy off National Lampoon's vacation. I, what do you need my address for? Uh, we like to send out a mailer. I'll be right there. I'll be right there with you, dude. <laughs> Fucking Jesus! Ah, uh, well, that's all. Well, Shane, you gotta, you got something to. You're usually good yeah. to pick me up. For yeah, a you are usually good for a real pick me up. Yeah, I'll go and pick you guys up. Are just fucking, <laughs> fucking just a bunch pieces of, of shit. Debbie Downers over here. <laughs> fucking the world's ending pieces of shit. Jesus Christ! Well, how about this? This is kind of fun. A frame from Roswell alien autopsy video to be sold for at least one million dollars. 
And that is Million with an M. So the frame in question purports to uh, depict the autopsy of an extraterrestrial being that supposedly crash-landed at Ranch in Roswell, New Mexico in August 1947, which we all know that story. Uh, But the Roswell incident is one of the most famous UFO sightings in American history. It sparked numerous conspiracy theories and supposed cover-ups, which we all know about that. But this is what's really, it's fucking ironic. And we're on the other side. As fun as this is, this is this is another thing that we as humans do, which is fucked up as well. Um, so this single frame of a 16 millimeter film taken from grainy black and white movie footage is now being sold at an auction as a non-fungible token. You guys have heard about this whole thing, right? This whole NFT bullshit going on. Yeah. And yeah. for the most part, I thought it was like just wild stupidity, but. Uh, it's turned then into I a dismissed thing. it of that and yeah. didn't pay attention. So I don't really know that much about it at it, all. It, actually, it's a thing. People are doing it right and left. But so what's it, happening it, it, is, it, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go for it. So what's happening is this, uh, it's an NFT, uh, with bids starting at more than $1 million on this whole thing. Um, British entrepreneur Ray Santilli, who reportedly acquired the footage from a retired U S military cameraman in 1992, Claims the footage has been authenticated by the CIA. Uh, and here is a quick quote from Santilli. He says, mm-hmm. I have lived with this film and the story surrounding it for 30 years. When I first saw the CIA papers with their verification of the Roswell event, an alien autopsy film, a massive weight was lifted from my shoulders. I believe the technology we enjoy today started in 1947 with the Roswell crash, and the NFT and single film frame being offered is by far one of the most valuable items to even come up in said auction. Hmm. I mean, but it's well known that that alien autopsy video is just a fucking hoax. Well, this is a different one. I don't. So I thought that yeah, this is other autopsy they did in the other (laughs) road down the road. A well-known fact that uh, the CIA is in the business of authenticating. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Supposedly classified footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what's fun about. They've told him. Well, it gets Um, gets better. I do want to say though that uh, trying to unwind the other night, I was watching. America's Book of Secrets or some ridiculous that's a, show. That's on the a fun Channel. show. It's fucking stupid, but it's fun. Yeah. And I, I wonder why uh, my mental health is where it's at these days. <laughs> but um, so they were talking about that's like the alien autopsy footage. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the people on it was saying that like someone was telling them it was real before it had ever been leaked. And that the, right. the one that's come out as a hoax was based off a real thing that happened um, and that they, they got told uh, to shut it down basically. Yeah. I, I, I uh, caught the same weird. thing. I know what you're talking about. I, same thing where it, 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 similar to the same conclusion of, okay, you know, they got something that actually happened. We're going to throw this out here to, which is similar, but it's a, it's basically a hook and bait is what it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah like yeah. is it disinformation or bait and switch or is it yeah. uh, like, Listen, this really happened. I can't give you the actual footage, but I can tell you enough about it or let you see it and you can recreate it and then yeah. we can put that out, yeah. which sounds interesting, but also sounds like a bunch oh, of bullshit. You know, yeah. Well, this Ray Santilli you know. dude is just like a producer. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. All <laughs> this stuff. Like, well, yeah. he just produced this fake ass alien. Well, it gets somebody's it. like, oh, the CIA is. Oh, oh. Its existence. Oh. Like, mm-hmm. Has it? Has it? 
where? Well, it, it gets better. It gets better. Let me add to this whole uh, authentic, uh, authenticity of what we have. Uh, the film has been subject to fierce debate over the years. However, a leaked memo obtained by aerospace billionaire Robert Bigelow, thank God he came to the rescue, appeared to give it some credibility. Uh, this memo taken from the archives of NASA astronaut Edgar Mitchell concerned CIA scientist Kit Green's briefing on the film, a briefing that was held at the Pentagon. In 2001, Green submitted a report containing the following intriguing statement. Quote, an alien autopsy film video is real. The alien cadaver is real, and the cadaver seen in the film video is the same as the photos Kit saw at the 1987-88 Pentagon briefing. So, yeah, you know, complete bullshit, I'm sure. It's just funny how this circulates. And, you know, and honestly, it's fun to think, okay, you know, they've got this story over here because it's real and it it spins off of this story because it's going to lead us, you know, I'm going to throw a ball this way and the dog's going to run this way. I I get it. And it's fun to think like that. But, yeah, some of the names behind this, (laughs) damn. Yeah, and actually – oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, it's smart on his end to – sell some bullshit footage if somebody's going to pay a million bucks for oh, it yeah. as an nft potentially too, e- potentially even more mm-hmm. as far as i know all sales are final whether it turns out to be a real thing or not you yeah know? i mean well you can make anything an nft i'm pretty sure the charlie bit my finger uh has been taken off the oh yeah i thought i was, remember seeing that it was sold as an nft I what was that in regards? I missed that. It's like ouch charlie bit my finger it was like a Jesus old Christ. internet clip old internet was- clip some British kid just it, sort of it, it like a meme, me. basically. It amazes. Well, the NFT a is a, is a but. thing. I mean, I, maybe that's not as fun as you guys wanted, but I find it kooky and, you know, I'm, I'm into the kooky. I th- so I think it was an appropriate mood lifter. Yeah. No, you think um, so? I like the story. I appreciate the story. Shane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it also, uh, I, I think that by the end of it, I was like, oh yeah, I think this is exactly who was on that episode of America's book of secrets. And they said exactly <laughs> what was in the article. <laughs> More likely you're right, dude. Uh, with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we have more news coming back. Not quite so uh, deaf and gloomy. Uh, everybody stand by. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality? Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. All right, and we're back with SU News. Um, I cover the alien thing. I think it uh, the table goes back around to you, John. Is that right? Yeah, um, I'm going to leave it up to you guys which story I do for this and then which one I do for the Patreon. Ooh. Do you guys want to hear about black holes on the on this episode or do we want to hear about the Galileo project? Black holes in space or other black, black holes? holes in space? Fuck oh. me. Because um. <laughs> one of those is going to be for the Patreon. Uh, my other story, I think, is about the Galileo Project. Is it really? Okay, well, let's do black holes, John. As I said. All right. All right. All right. So um, this is from The Independent. Um, let's see. So scientists have picked up light from the other side of a black hole for the first ever time. Hmm. Uh, such an observation might seem not just difficult, but outright impossible given black holes famously eat up any light that goes near them. But the new study used an unusual effect where light 
quote unquote, echoes around the black hole such that scientists can see it from the other side. Wow. Uh, the detection came after scientists examined x-rays that were being thrown out into the universe by a supermassive black hole that sits in the middle of another galaxy, 800 million light years away. Those x-rays kept to a strange pattern. After the bright flaring x-rays, there would be smaller and later ones, which appeared in different colors than those more obvious ones. Uh, the x-rays looked as if they were being reflected from the other side of the black hole. Notice Stanford University astrophysicist Dan Wilkins. But such an event would seem highly unusual given black holes are more famous for destroying light than being a source of it. Hmm. Says, quote, any light that goes into the black hole doesn't come out. So we shouldn't be able to see anything that's behind the black hole, he said in a statement. But it was another less famous characteristic of black holes that meant those x-rays could be seen. Quote, the reason we can see that is because that black hole is warping space, bending light, and twisting magnetic fields around itself, Wilkins explains. Hmm. The discovery of light from the other side of a black hole was predicted by Einstein's theory of general relativity, but it has never actually happened before. And the discovery marks the first time that light has ever been directly observed coming from behind a black hole. The research began with a slightly different aim of a more common light formed by a black hole the corona, which wraps around the outside of it, formed as materials fall in. And that corona is among the brightest continuous source in the universe, flinging out X-ray light that can be then used to analyze the black hole itself. Um, hmm. Interesting. Yeah, researchers think that the corona starts when gas falls into the black hole and is heated up to a temperature of millions of degrees. It is so hot that the electrons are ripped from the atoms and it forms huge arcing and twirling magnetic fields that break apart. So Wilkins says that this magnetic field getting tied up and then snapping close to the uh, black hole heats everything around it and produces these high energy electrons that then go on to produce the X-rays. Um, yeah, else. but it was, it was huh. a smaller flashes that surprised him and went on to produce the newly announced research as well as the first ever glimpse at the other side of a black hole. I've been building theoretical predictions of how these echoes appear to us for a few years, said Wilkins. I'd already seen them in the theory I've been developing. So once I saw them in the telescope observations, I could figure out the connection. Um, the study light bending and x-ray ex echoes from behind a supermassive black hole is published in nature today. Damn. You know, can I just be the one to say that black holes in general fascinate me? And yeah. is it just me? It seems like the last, what was it? Was it two years ago? They actually captured the first, I mean, granted, it wasn't much really looking at it, but the first yeah, yeah. image of what a supposed black hole, because you know, they've been in theory for how long, you know, but we've never actually seen them. So it just, oh, fascinating. Weird. Uh-huh. Too cool. Yeah. yeah. A lot of science that I don't really understand, but. I just take away that that's pretty awesome that they can see light coming out of the back of a black hole. Yeah. I mean, and how do they, and it's you like think about I that, fart. like how, <laughs> and who came up with that idea? You know, it just, it's crazy. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. Pretty, pretty interesting. What, it, what it all means. Uh, who knows? But yeah, yeah I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I do love black holes. Um, and I also did find <laughs> another, uh, story to toss in here since it looks like we we had the same one for a second there <laughs> um this one is from the debrief i'd like to debrief you guys if you know what i'm saying <laughs> wink wink <laughs> uh this says after trolling america's ufo curiosity russia reveals its new sukhoi 
checkmate, quote unquote, fighter jet. Um, after a week of trolling the U.S. over its renewed interest in UFOs, Russia formally unveiled its new prototype fighter jet dubbed the Sukhoi Checkmate at the MAKS International Air Show on Tuesday. Confirming previous speculation, Checkmate will be a single-engine fighter, slightly smaller and reportedly cheaper than Russia's current fifth-generation two-engine stealth fighter, the Su-57, quote-unquote, felon. Oh, that's a great nickname for an aircraft. Um, Jesus Christ. The aircraft <laughs> is being developed under Sukhoi's LTS program as a Russian acronym for light tactical aircraft. According to the manufacturer, the new fighter will re- will feature stealth capability, a max speed of nearly Mach 2, a range of just over 1,860 miles, and will be capable of carrying a payload of 16,300 pounds. It's hmm. claimed the new design will also possess, quote-unquote, artificial support for the pilot's work, and it can be converted to an unpiloted or two-seat model. In the week leading up to the Checkmate unveiling, the United Aircraft Corporation and Rostec, the Russian state organizations responsible for the Sukhoi design program, uh, repeatedly trolled Americans, or sorry, America's renewed interest in unidentified aerial phenomena, more commonly known as UFOs. And then uh, there's just a great shot here. It's the Tic Tac video, but it's replaced with a Rook check piece. And it says, guys, everything is simpler than you think. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, And on July 12th, Rostec posted a photo of its unverified Twitter account showing a night chess piece. Yeah, there we go. Placed over an object purposefully or purported to be the Department of Defense aerial phenomena footage. Uh, And then they had another one from that uh, picture from inside the F-18 of what everyone thought was the Mylar balloon with the same thing. (laughs) Uh, And uh, it says mystery will be unveiled on July 20th. And then lastly, uh, it was an older one that said, guys, everything is simpler than you think with with the same chess piece over uh, the UFO from the X-Files I Want to Believe poster. (laughs) Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's great. So in the same PR blitz, Rostec promised a present to present a fundamentally new military aircraft at this year's international aviation and space salon air show in Moscow. Now confirmed to be the new Sukhoi class single engine stealth light tactical fighter jet. The checkmate aircraft clearly bears no real resemblance to the odd tic-tac or sphere in a cube shaped us or shaped objects. Us aviators have reportedly encountered not far from America's East and West coasts worth noting the Sukhoi fighter uh, displays um, at max is not fully operational, but rather a large scale prototype demonstrator it would appear Russia was just trying to throw some shade on America's newest or renewed interest in UFOs or UAPs rather than claim responsibility for these mysterious encounters by professing their own radically novel aircraft. Russia's poking fun Mm. at the UAP is somewhat intriguing considering as the debrief previously reported, the Kremlin has been remarkably quiet on the subject of UFOs in the past few years. Interesting. In a, Presentation to Russian President Vladimir Putin, USC said Chuck Checkmate's first flight 
is expected to occur in 2023. Uh, Russian state media added that UAC expects to start making production deliveries of the new fighter in 2026. Putin, who was on hand for the big unveiling, said what we see today is Zukovsky clearly shows that Russian aviation has great potential for development and our aircraft industry continues to create new competitive aircraft. Of so, course. you know, it's fun to get a little shit from our rivals, I guess. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh, that's funny. Yeah, I think everybody's in the bid for a little bit of that, to be honest with you. You know, we're not the only we're not the only ones out there. So um, so are they kind of saying that it is Russia? Like, oh hey, all that stuff is us. Sane or not sane, I guess. Kind of uh, I think they're they're saying it's not us, but it could be. But it's not. But maybe. <laughs> but also yeah. check out our new stealth fighter plane that is pretty high tech, but also mm. I will be surprised if it ever actually flies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. That's funny. Yeah, huh. I'm looking at those pictures right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks cool as fuck. Yeah. It looks badass, but it's still like, you know, you have the exhaust out the back and like, mm-hmm. I mean, it just looks like a plane. Yeah. It's a regular ass jet. Yeah. Looks regular like a, ass fighter plane. Yeah. Looks yeah. like a badass plane. Huh. Um, yeah. It, it looks a lot like a, slimmed down version of an F-35, basically. Oh, is that yeah. what it looks like? Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's clear that they still don't have a UFOs. That Unless they Unless, do. And they they're, they're throwing the bone this way. Or maybe. You know, again, the ball goes this way, the dog goes that way. I'm just saying, folks. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, Wishful I think thinking. the funnest part of that article was uh, their, like, really shitty Photoshops. And... um and just the whole like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're doing the thing that we've stereotypically always done of like misdirection. And like you said, Shane, throwing the ball one way, like fake throwing the ball for the dog, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The coconut shell game. I like to call it for sure. So sounds like that might be, uh, I don't know. You know, we'll see. We'll see what roads. So, um, so I have one here to wrap up the main episode before we roll into Patreon content. Um, and this one actually is kind of, I did not send this to you guys cause I was still working on it, reading through it, but, uh, kind of near to dear to my heart. And I guess this is a little depressing too, but it's interesting because it's got a lot of history. Um, remember was it two years ago that the wife actually surprised me, uh, lived in Salt Lake and we went to see the Seahawks in California and oh, yeah. she surprised me with a whole, Hey, we're going to stay on the Queen Mary. Uh-huh. So again, for Patreon members, if you want to become one, you can at patreon.com slash strange uncles, but there is some recordings and a write-up about uh, that said stay uh, that we did when we we're out there. Very interesting. Um, I think the shortest story shorter is it was weird. One of the highlights, I'd say highlights, but you know, two o'clock in the morning, I'm laying down, I wake up, wife is like standing next to me crying and screaming because she's or crying because she's hearing screams from somewhere and she couldn't tell where they were from. I it just was a very surreal visit in general. That's yeah, terrifying. Well, yeah, and Josephine is not like that. You guys know her. So yeah. you know, that really kind of well, it set me back a bit because I was like, oh shit, if she's hearing stuff, I don't know what to tell her. Yeah. But anyway. Um, with that being said, this is a story about said Queen Mary, uh, and the article actually is from Los Angeles Times. It says, after decades of rocky seas in Long Beach, Queen Mary in danger of sinking or can it be saved? Uh, I caught this actually last week, and it was kind of a sad with what's happening. Uh, again, just, you know, Queen Mary's had all kinds of, not only history of just being a cruise ship, 
that that would have really is bigger than what Titanic would have been. But obviously, Titanic kind of took the news of the day. Um, but then it was outfitted for wartime. Then it was refitted into back in a cruise ship. And then in 67, it was stationed at Long Beach and docked. And it became kind of a, a permanent floating hotel, basically. And you could do weddings on it. And you could do all this other stuff. Uh, it's been shut down for about a year because the company that runs it um, went into bankruptcy through COVID. And so it's still sitting here more to Long Beach. Uh, 85 years after its main voyage, you know, can it still survive? Um, they're saying that Queen Mary is still creaky and leaky, and then it adds it needs $23 million in immediate repairs, according to a trove of court of documents and inspection reports released last month. Uh, there's a growing concern that if something is not done soon, the ship could fall into critical disrepair and sink within two years. So Shit. kind of a fucking bummer. So here's the plans for hmm. the whole thing. Um, you know, a little background on some of it. In 92, the city fought a plan to move it to Hong Kong. Uh, in 97, a promoter proposed sailing to Japan for a few years as a way of raising money for repairs. Uh, the city rejected that idea, too, because, of course, there's money out of their pocket. And at one point, Disney eyed the Queen Mary as a center of an Oceanside theme park, but that plan fell through, too. So there's been plans to try to – they've known this has come, but now we're at the point where it's kind of here. So according yeah, to – Yeah, I mean, at this yeah. point, can they sail, sail it anywhere well, safely? Well, they can't sail it, but here's the thing. So according to an April 28th inspection, um, they are saying uh, – da 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 that there's rust in the halls, urgent category work items, um, immediate current status. It says the halls are rusting. There's leaks in the bilges. Uh, literally, doors aren't closing because – and it's starting to get what they call a list. For those of you who weren't mm -hmm. in the Navy, a list means you know ship's going to lean one way or another way. And it's to the point that um, it, it could capsize right there at the pier. So what's sad and kind of, I guess – weird for me and that's why i bring this article up um one of the uh one of the proposals is cheaper than the 23 million dollar repair it looks like it's going to be a 1.8 million dollar repair where they literally hook it up to a, a little um steamboat and they bring it out to the banks of the ocean where there's barry reese whatever have you and they purposely sink it and turn it into an artificial barrier reef for divers et cetera, et cetera. The, I mean, kind of cool. Kind of cool, but here's the thing. I mean, it's haunted. I mean, it it has a history. There's yeah. an engineer that uh, got crushed by a door in the engineering room. There's little girls that wander around up where the pool is. There's said that one of the admirals that died on board. Um, like, there's things that happen there. We've never encountered them, but there's stories through and through about what's happening. And I'm just, you know, I'm wondering, man, you sink that. Could you imagine diving to that thing that's sitting wherever? I mean, to me, it's just... Very spooky and surreal for sure. I you hope get some that's... good stories out of that from some diving. Yeah, oh my I god. mean that also. <laughs> oh god, diving to a scary place might be kind of dangerous just because diving in itself is a little dangerous. Yeah, yeah in general, yeah. And I know they've done this before. They've done this with other man-made ships and tanks and things like mm -hmm. that. They sink them, and then gradually over years, they turn into kind of a artificial barrier reef. You yeah, know, and, and a lot of them that. are like retired uh, warships and stuff. So yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, we well, we did that in the also Navy. haunted. Well, for sure, and we did that in the Navy. What we call mothballing, we mothballed a bunch where we would just bomb them and sink them. Um, famous, you know, like when we had the atomic bombs, we had a lot of old uh, turn of the century warships that we just nuked just to see what would happen to them. You know, <laughs> and they're set at the bomb of the ocean. Yeah. Um, not a happy story, but just interesting on what it is, and I kind of I don't know. I I could go either way. It'd be cool to do that because that's like another, I guess, life cycle of the Queen Mary. Yeah, but if they could save it, and, what's that mean? You know, 
with all the climate shit that's going on, that might actually be like a happier it, story yeah, because like, get know, all the life organisms down there. And yeah. Yeah. Make a home for all that. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. That'd be kind of cool. And yeah. reefs are very important to the health of the ocean. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we're slowly killing some of the major ones now. So I yeah. mean, they're bleached beyond repair. I mean, they're not going to come back. So, yeah. you know, and granted, yeah, and they're going to do it the right way. You know, they're going to completely de-oil yeah. and everything else, you know, and get it out there where it should. But it, uh, I don't know, just very interesting. And, and I'm a history guy, uh, you know, 85 years of cruising the ocean and sitting on a dock. And now here it is again, you know, what are we going to do? Um, yeah. Very interesting. So, it, you know. yeah, it's uh, it's almost like a bittersweet kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. Could you yeah. imagine selling that all the way to Japan from oh, LA Jesus. though? It's cr- it's crazy. I, I don't Feels know. If like you got, that would take a long crazy. time. Oh, it'd take, it'd take a bit, take a minute, but yeah. I, I don't know. Just you know, if it is as haunted as they say, like could you imagine just being stuck in the middle of fucking absolutely oh, nowhere, just f- like knowing that's did a thing. We, just oh, ghost ship, you know. God. Did we cover the story of that dude who got stuck as like the only crew member on a boat that was that? because of like ownership ownership weird issues like it was like a cargo ship or a tanker i can't remember which but he he they couldn't um bring it in and then the company that owned it went out of business or something so he was stuck on it by himself for like four years oh my god what no, like, i don't i don't remember that story at all like that's just crazy. off the coast of i want to say egypt like just outside of the suez canal that's my luck that's fucking my luck why right didn't there. he just like i mean this is probably just so stupid such a stupid question, but I don't really know anything about ships, but why couldn't he just steer it into a harbor? So it had to do with ownership of the vessel. It like, I think eventually like at first it had broken down or something. And then there were problems with the company that owned it. And like, they went under and because of like the weird maritime laws, like they Mm -hmm. couldn't bring it in if it wasn't owned or some weird shit. And they also couldn't leave it unmanned. So like the rest of the crew, left i couldn't yeah. fucking imagine he was the one that got the short end of the stick and and had to stay behind to like stay on the boat so i'd be like hey like, i quit that. i <laughs> yeah. fucking quit yeah like, you can't quit we took the last lifeboat you're fucked <laughs> somebody come and get me please <laughs> so a little actually side note on that yeah that is a thing it's a legality to it it's just like you know um you know you need tariff or not tariffs but you need uh permits and everything else if you want to land in an airport it's the same thing you know if they know there's a liability ports aren't going to take a ship that they don't have ownership for, or there's a legality issue or they can, so because then they have taking it. up space mm-hmm. in their, yeah. in their port. Yeah. yeah. But also legally, because initially at least there was nothing wrong with it. They couldn't just like completely abandon it. They had mm-hmm. to leave someone there's maintenance and like, right. I guess <laughs> to fight off looters and pirates. Jesus I don't know, Christ but somebody. like all pirates can't, some Somalian pirates or something. Yeah, came up and I was young. I'd be like, "Fucking, there you go." Take man. everything. Take the steering wheel. Here can you I go. Catch hey, a Phil. Ride? Phil, yeah, how you doing? Actually, out there? can I get a lift? Because I've been on this motherfucker for three and a half years. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, that uh, was. I've been that, trying to quit. They keep saying I can't quit. Nobody yeah, responds to my think email. That they like act like he was getting paid like a shitload of extra money for it or anything. Either. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was like, give me forty million dollars. That's fucking crazy. I never heard myself. that story, but there's stories out there like that. I mean, that's like, well, so I don't know if you guys heard this, not side note too, and we'll kind of wrap the main episode up, but um, have you ever heard of the country of Sealand? Anybody, either one of you guys? Negative. So nah, mate. I actually own a parcel in the country of Sealand. And what it is, is outside of England, during World War II, they built these huge, 
I don't want to say turrets, but they're basically concrete pillars and they're platforms that set out. And what they did was they used them yeah. for – so they could see the enemies coming and they would outfit them with weapons, tanks, soldiers, whatever have you. Well, when yeah, the war yeah. got done, they mothballed all this shit. And because they were far enough away, they were allowed to basically do a public thing. So you guys ever seen that um, that movie or read the book on on in regards to the pirate radio? Like the English, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, so it kind of goes called in pirate radio. It's I called think. yeah, pirate radio. Yep. Well, it's similar to that. So the guy basically had a radio station. He had it on one of these things because it was a far enough out that they couldn't fuck with him. And because of again maritime law and everything, him and his family declared it a country, and there's nothing anybody could do. And so it's still in the family, and it's ran by like the grandkid or some shit, and it's this fucking piece of parcel concrete thing outside the coast of England that you can buy you can and be an you owner own of a portion of that yeah I, I get a little tiny thing saying I own a like, little grid it, like one point your square foot, foot of something or yeah, something yeah 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 it's called the <laughs> it's called the country of Sealand it, it's just crazy I mean shit out there just crazy so anyway. yeah I, they had uh they they had an episode of mysteries of the abandoned where they were going through some some things like that but like not off England but um I want to say it was in the Pacific um, where they were going through like, why is this giant concrete pillar in the middle of this bay? I love that shit though, because there's always a, there's always a story behind it. Some aren't as, you know, exciting as others, but there's all kinds of weird, like what fascinates me is abandoned theme parks and, Abandoned castles and mansions in the middle of nowhere, and, and the, the ground is just taking it over. Mysteries of the abandoned. I don't know. If it's I've on seen like the Science Channel or Nat Geo or something. Oh, but it's really it's that's all it is. Is yeah, like, yeah. look at all these weird abandoned structures. We're gonna like take a film crew and explore them, and eventually tell you the story of where they came from and why they were abandoned. And almost all of it is like old World War Two shit, old Cold War shit. But right, it's right. uh. It's my favorite thing to just put that, on. The shit I'm like that's so stoned. cool. Um, so I don't know, John, if you're looking it up, it's called the Principality of Sealand. It's not necessarily oh, yeah, a country. Yeah, I it's found a, it. Um, yeah. You can um, become a lord lady, baron, or baroness for $45. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you can become a duke or duchess for $657. Yeah, uh, it's just it's a gimmick completely, but it's cool. Yeah, it's no, got some history. Well, for it's kind of cool for some reason. Their website's yeah. actually like really well done too. Yeah, now I want to know what your uh, rank in the nobility of Sealand oh, is. Shit, Shane. I don't yeah, know. Are you a duke? I'm sure. Call me duke a duke. Meals? I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. But my kid's 18th birthday, I bought him a parcel, a little segment, and he thought it was the coolest shit in the world. He's like, "Oh my god, I own land." I'm like. Eh. That's a least yeah, terminology. Kind of Let's pop the brakes there, bud. <laughs> I don't love you I that mean, much. Just saying. So. I'm just kind of tripping out. There's got to be somebody in the world right now, just in the middle of the fucking ocean right now, like just hanging out, waiting for some raft or something, like just like hanging on to dear life. There's got to be right uh, on a yeah. door floating around in the There's middle of nowhere. Some dude like just lost at sea oh, right now. God. Yeah, dude. Uh, that's fucking crazy. I don't know why I'm like tripping out so much on that right you now. You know, like, that stuff fascinates me. And oh, so there's a new movie, by the way, called the, I want to say the Lake House. Let me look that up real quick. Um, and it actually is um, a fa- not a famous director, but he's directed other things. And it fascinated me because I am completely, when it comes to like things underwater or abandoned or things of that nature. I just absolutely like my skin crawls. It's the weirdest thing in the world to me. And the movie's going to be released. And it basically is about a lake. 
I want to say Scotland, somewhere. Another, anyway, it's a lake that there's a mansion. These divers find it. It's bomb the lake and come to find out it's haunted and they can't get out. And that's the whole premise of the movie. And it's all. No, thank you. It just looks so. I was watching the clip today and I got the. Oh, my God. I got goosebumps just thinking about it. Very, very well done. Whoever directed that for sure. Man, but uh, you know. Castaway is one of Aubrey's favorite movies. And um, I can't stand the part where he's on the raft and it's like starting to kind of disintegrate and shit. Like, oh, it yeah. Oh, yeah. fucking I hate that. gives me such bad anxiety. I was in the Navy and I can't swim. And I, I was, had a deathly fear of drowning. I still do to this day, as much as I love the water, I'll never get over it. But it's just, you know, it is what it is. It, uh, it's a crazy thing. Things underwater and things abandoned. Those are my two, uh, listeners. You want to creep me out, send me some of that shit. And I yeah. guarantee you know, if you learn to swim, that might help your fear of drowning. I'm just saying. I know. I know. It's, I got to learn a lot of things. Sewing's on my Shame list. The, one, when so. you come here in August, we'll go to the residence inn and I'll like grab you. I'll bring you into the oh. pool and I'll like L- little waiters. your stomach <laughs> and let you paddle and kick. And Yeah, we'll get a kickboard for yeah, you. Yeah. We'll put some water wings on your arms. Yeah, those little floaties around your arms. We'll teach you how to swim. Man, I'll tell you yeah. what. Patrons. It might you... be ho- horribly demoralizing for you. Hey, I'm fine I'll with that. I'll laugh. I'm I'll okay. get a kick out of it I'm okay yeah it'll that. be fun for me yeah. I've, I've had worse <laughs> trust me so anyway <laughs> with all that being said that it's been cool um we are actually going to continue with our patrons a little bit we've got a couple more articles to kind of run through and uh for regular listeners that is our news episode we do this monthly uh every fourth episode these comes up and if you have something you caught within you know the month of august is coming i hope cross your fingers after some of our news reports we're not sure yet but uh, if you have something that comes down the pike, you can write us at strangeuncles at gmail.com. You can call us and tell us news articles, stories, tales to tell, whatever's on your side at 801-252-6945. The dolphin. Nice. Uh, and we will make it. Uh, of a dolphin ever. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Um, where are we for sociables? Oh, we're in the same spot. We're at uh, Strange Uncles Podcast on Instagram and uh, Facebook and Strange Uncles on Twitter. Check out our YouTube channel. Um, Before I have to get a new laptop, I might edit some stuff and put something up there. Yeah, maybe. Awesome. Yeah, we're slackers, but I think everybody else in the world is too, so we're not to blame. But uh, yeah, that's the news episode. Stay tuned for some interviews and some other research and other things. Uh, I am actually flying out for a family trip to, wait for it, Vegas tomorrow. So I'll clue you guys in next week on how that all went. Even though I'm vaccinated, I'm still a little nerve racked a bit. But yeah, the Delta we'll variant is getting. Yeah. Bold. Yeah, it's not a it's not a good thing. So anyway. You'll be all right. Yeah, I'll catch you guys on the flip flip side for sure. But uh yeah, you guys you got anything else to wrap up with? Any notables? Anything? No, let's uh head on over to Patreon and hang all out with right. strangers. Awesome, awesome. We'll do that. Um thanks all. Close the gates. All right. Welcome, strangers. Special Patreon stuff. So we kind of rattled some things that we sat on. Um, this is another thing that fascinates me. Again, you know, other than being underwater and abandoned shit. You guys know a little history of the background of the whole Havana syndrome. You remember hearing about that back in the day? Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I could use fascinating. a refresher. Well, I know Thomas Winterton is really into it, and he thinks that that is part. He does. He thinks that's to what. to do with his uh, yeah. injury. 
Well, after this article, um, I would say that it's not off the table, to be honest with you. So this is actually uh, this is from The Guardian. Microwave weapons that could cause Havana syndrome exist, experts say. Um, so just for some background, portable microwave weapons capable of causing the mysterious spate of Havana syndrome, brain injuries, and U.S. diplomats and spies have been developed by several countries in recent years, according to leading American experts in the field. A U.S. company also made the prototype of such a weapon for the Marine Corps in 2004. The weapon, codenamed, wait for it, Medusa, as one hmm. code names a weapon, uh, was intended to be small enough to fit in a car and cause a temporarily incapacitating effect, and that's in quotes, mind you, but with a low probability of fatality or permanent injury, and that's in quotes as well. So... Uh, just some background on that. Uh, Havana syndrome, NSA officer's case, hints at microwave attacks since the 90s. There's no evidence that the research was taken beyond the prototype phase, and a report on that stage has been removed from a U.S. Navy website. Scientists with knowledge of the project said that ethical considerations preventing human experimentation contributed to the project being shelved. But they said such consideration had not hindered U.S. adversaries, including Russia and possibly China. And yet again, we got them mentioned again. It seems like they're all over the news as of late. And uh, we see the state of that science has, for the most part, been, if not abandoned, pretty much left following the United States. But it has not been followed elsewhere, says James uh, Giordano, professor of neurology and ethics at Georgetown University Medical Center. So here's the crux of this whole thing. Uh, Giordano, who is also senior fellow in biotechnology, biosecurity, and ethics at the U.S. Naval War College, was brought in as advisor by the government in late 2016 after about two dozen U.S. diplomats began falling sick in Havana, which you guys remember the news articles on that. Uh, he later took part in an assessment for U.S. Special Forces Command on which countries were developing the technology and what they had achieved. Quote, it became clear that some of the work that was conducted in the former Soviet Union was taken again by Russia and its satellite proxies, Guardano said, adding that China had also developed directed energy devices to test the structure of various materials with technology which could be adapted to weapons, a second major wave of brain injuries among U.S. diplomats and intelligence officers took place in China in 2018, which I was not aware of that. Did you guys hear about that news thing at all? I didn't. I know. I know. I heard. I heard. Actually, there's another one back in. Was it the 70s that they had some of the earliest ones where they just literally got sick as a dog? And I know there was one in the 90s, and I think they had another episode of scenario in the like the early 2000s. Those are the three that I kind of that stick out in my mind. And I don't know. I'm sure there was more, but those are the three that that I remember. Um, so he says this was important and rather frightening to us because it represented a state of advancement and sophistication of these types of instruments that heretofore had not been thought to be accomplished, he said. Uh, more than 130 U.S. officials from the State Department, CIA, there you go again, and National Security Council have suffered from symptoms including dizziness, loss of balance, nausea, and headaches first identified in Cuba. The impact of some of the victims have been debilitating and long-lasting. The White House is investigating, but according to this uh, Giordano guy, he says, yep, I've worked on it. it, it they're a thing, and we think our, uh, our cohorts are picking all this up. Uh, another quick quote, and then we can kind of banter a little bit. It says, you can certainly put together a system in a couple of big suitcases that will allow you to put it in a van or an SUV, uh, Professor Emeritus in the Electrical and Computer Engineering Department at the University of Illinois said. It's not something that you need to have enormous amounts of space or equipment to do it. 
So it sounds like it's active, and it's there's a company out there called Waveband. They were given $100,000 for the prototype, which according to the specifications of the contract would be portable, require low power, have a controller, a controllable radius of coverage, be able to switch from crowd to individual coverage, cause a temporarily incapacitating effect, have a low probability of fatality, cause no damage to the property, and have a low probability of affecting friendly personnel. There was even a 2004 Navy document that uh, said that exact same thing. Experimental evidence of MAE, which is what they call microwave auditory effect, was observed according to a Navy document in 2004. Hmm. So there's that. Like I suspected there was something, but microwave weapons, I don't know if that's one of the things that I stumbled that was kind of behind this. Um, But they're saying it's a thing and that's what happened and they exist. So I don't yeah. know. Where do you go with that? So, um, I mean, I don't think this is like news. Like, I think this is something that's been around for a while. Like, you are you guys familiar with LRADs? I yeah. heard of. I think they're long range uh, acoustical. Shit, sorry, I just had a pop up block. What I was looking at. No, you're fine. Fucker. You're fine. I can. Uh, oh, go ahead. But I mean, they're a long range acoustical. Um, I forget what the acronym stands for exactly, but uh, sorry, long range acoustic device. Um, and it's basically you can target oh. the sound, like you just said, to yep. specific individuals or a group. Um, and they're not big, like they're fucking handheld. Right. Um, and these are what, uh, like, over, I don't know, over the last year, what cops would were using to try and disperse protests, basically, um, and to declare unlawful assemblies and everything, so oh, that they could yeah. make sure the crowds heard them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they I know, also, I know what you're talking about, yeah. yeah, yeah, they also can, um, like, not just be basically bigger bullhorns, but you can you can transmit like irritating tones through them to like basically drive people to flee. Yeah, it can like um, make you sick, kind of. Like, yeah, you can't, yeah, yeah. You can't, it's not just like a loud noise. It's like right. you like, like it scrambles you have to leave because yeah. it's like affecting you. So yeah, like it. Mm-hmm. it uh, if I if this is the same thing that I'm thinking of, I might be thinking of two separate things. But it can also make you feel like your skin's on fire, basically. I wow. yeah yeah, and, and actually, a lot of the stuff is like, if I remember right, um, I'm I put an article in the chat, um. But if you guys, if, if I remember right, uh, it can also work on like um, frequencies outside the human hearing spectrum. So it's so it can they can still use it to like cause you physical pain to try and disperse the crowd without you hearing anything. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And so one of the one of the news shows that I listen to, like one of the the people that host it is, is kind of obsessed with Havana syndrome, trying to figure out if it's like a real thing or a psychosomatic thing. And they were talking about it the other day. And he mentioned that it was, uh, that they're microwave weapons, but that they all like take like a giant ass truck to, to power and operate. And I'm, I'm wondering if he's just misinterpreting the pictures. Cause usually these things are mounted on a fucking big ass bear cat or something like that. Like a right. giant, yeah, I've uh, seen those. MRAP, you know, but th- that's not to provide power to it. That's just to be intimidating. Like, 
Um, well, and you you talk about that. So you talk about the sound cannon. So this is interesting here, and this is actually in the article too. And and then I'll check out that one that you put in the chat. Um, it's kind of funny. So there's a gal. Her name is uh, Cheryl Roffer. Um, she in the 1970s she worked at the Los Alamos National Laboratory. Uh, she says, you know what? The military loves death rays. Everybody loves death rays and lasers of some yeah, characteristics. Of, yeah, right. Death rays are fun. Um, that auditory research eventually led to the long range acoustic device or sound cannon used by some police forces against demonstrators last summer, but it did not lead to death rays. And I think just to clarify, it's not the fact that I'm not reading this article to go, oh my god, can you believe it's out there? No shit, it's out there. But it's one of those things where, wait a minute, now we're starting to see a history of said death ray, I guess, if that's what you want to do, and how they used it. I mean, every suspected that it was used in spies and against diplomats. But now here's people coming out going, oh, no, shit, I worked on it. It's something. Yeah. Kind of like this whole yeah. fucking UFO thing. It's the same thing. Yeah, we've seen them. They're there. Well, we, and you know. like, I mean, you got to love the History Channel because I saw something about these kind of like crowd control weapons basically like years ago um, where they were definitely, if it wasn't the LRAD, it was something similar that they were using to basically make people have physical pain without hearing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that shit's definitely like real tech, you know? Yeah, for sure. And there's one thing and then I'll wrap up and, and either I got another article or if you guys have something, um, this just kind of puts this whole story in perspective. Uh, and we're talking back to uh, Giordano said this. He said that while the U.S. focuses on expensive weapons for traditional warfare, Russia, China, and others are very interested in and dedicated to developing non-kinetic tools that can be leveraged below the threshold of what would formerly be considered acts of war so as to engage in processes of mass disruption. So literally defining the definition, changing the definition of what an act of war or weapons are. That yeah. to me is very like, holy shit, yeah. Duh. Yeah. You know? So Yeah, and that's uh, pretty much exactly what they were talking about in that. I Fuck, I can't remember what show it was. This was like 10 years ago at least. But what mm-hmm. I saw in a quote-unquote documentary on the History Channel about these kind of this kind of tech. Um, and it was all basically about uh, not just crowd dispersal for protests and stuff like that, but also like, hey, if we don't have to kill anybody. Yeah. Fuck yeah. it. Why I mean, not? Yeah. You and know? you're not, you're not causing mass casualties. You're not, you know, you're not spilling blood on a battlefield. Right. Well, and you're if it's in a tense different. situation, like say the Ukrainian border, mm-hmm. you know, and there, and there are issues going on with Russia right now. Like, yeah. Like say that, that was someone less intent on like domination and more intent on like, Hey, we want to deescalate things and, and get everybody moved back from what we've established as the front lines without like without starting heads a off. fucking firefight. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you know what? In one part of me goes, okay, that's kind of cool because that's a little bit more of a, I don't want to use the word pacifist, but a little bit more of a developed, sophisticated way to handle violence rather than how we have come up with handling violence with guns and knives and, you know, bloodshed. Um, So in that respect, I I kind of respect it a bit. I I get it. I think that – but at the same time, you know, it's just like anything else. Once you invent some kind of technology that can do anything, you know, it's going to be exploited for not even the good but the bad as well. You've got two different roads and it all depends who's holding the suitcase on which road that goes down. That's the problem. Well, yeah. And not to get too dystopian, there's also uh, a concept known as Foucault's boomerang. 
Thank you, Robert Evans. Um, <laughs> that uh, basically in and it stemmed from like studying colonial societies, but it's it's still uh, applicable today because I mean, let's face it, we're still colonial and imperialistic societies, but. Um, basically everything that gets used to control the outer provinces and keep like the, the places that you've expanded to and control, it always ends up coming back and being used on the home oh, population. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I know for sure. For sure. And it, it's sad, but it's just because humans are awful pieces of shit. We're not going to get any better. So, you know, I don't even know why we're really discussing it, to be honest with you. But anyway, um, because Havana syndrome's interesting as fuck. <laughs> it really is. It's got a, it's crazy. You know, yeah, years I'm definitely ago, gonna like read more about it because I honestly don't really know that much about it. I saw on uh, Thomas Winterton's Twitter mm-hmm. um, that he was posting about Havana syndrome and all that stuff. I mean, I was meaning to check it out, but yeah, really interesting and it's kind of sneaky too. Like it's like yeah, you know, very you much so. Giant population freaking out, and you you don't you know you don't hear anything, you don't see anything, you like. But you know, like okay, kind of like so a that's pandemic, a crazy form of mass manipulation. <laughs> that's a pretty terrifying uh, quote at the end. Where was it that you said like just as, so as to engage in processes of mass disruption? Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. isn't that terrifying? Like take I think the toilet so. paper hoarding. And probably times about a, a million. Fucking, yeah, exactly. That that's the scariest thing of all. It's not even the weapon itself. It's the it's the principle behind making a weapon of such thing and the reasons for it. That that that's well, what sets me aback even more, you know. And so, so like the mainstream media saying that feels weird, but um the mainstream media likes to uh look at this more in terms of uh like mass hysteria as opposed to an actual weapon, because like I said, they think it all needs to be something that's super big and bulky that you, and that you wouldn't, they're, they're basically describing what was out in the open technology from like the 1960s, because there's no fucking way Cuba could have anything more than that. Right. Right. Because of all of our sanctions and shit. Yeah. Like, Never mind the fact that Cuba is not alone. Like there are countries that support them <laughs> that they could get the shit from, yeah, or mm-hmm. that they would let in to help them fuck with, you know, our people yeah. that are spying on them. You yeah, know? yeah, no, yeah. very true, very true. Uh, all just fascinating. I don't know. It's a fascinating topic, really. Um, do you guys uh, have anything? Yeah. Oh, so okay. this is uh, some pretty big news, actually. <clears throat> um, astrophysicist. And Harvard astronomy professor Avi Loeb, we talked about his book mm-hmm. Extraterrestrial about Oumuamua. Yeah. This dude rules. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> he basically started a new scientific, uh, I don't know, embargo or whatever. But and it was just announced, I think, yesterday, Tuesday, the twenty seventh. So we're recording this on a Wednesday, but uh, the article from the guardians, uh, a team of scientists will embark on a new international research project led by Harvard university to search for evidence of extraterrestrial life by looking for advanced technology. It may leave behind the Galileo project is led by the Harvard astronomy professor Avi Loeb. Loeb co-founded the project with Frank Lock- Lockian, CEO of Bruker corporation, a Massachusetts based manufacturer of scientific equipment. Quote, given the recently discovered abundance of Earth-Sun systems, the Galileo Project is dedicated to the proposition that humans can no longer ignore the possible existence of extraterrestrial technological civilizations. 
The team announced in a statement on Monday, the project follows the U.S. government's report from last month on a number of unidentified aerial phenomena that were reported by Navy personnel and Oumuamua, an interstellar pancake-shaped object that entered the solar system in 2017. Oumuamua did not resemble any previously observed comet or asteroids and in turn sparked a debate among astronomers regarding its true origin. Um, According to the Galileo project team, Oumuamua turned out to have highly anomalous properties that defy well-understood natural explanations. We can only speculate by stretching our imagination to Oumuamua perhaps being an extraterrestrial technical technological object similar to a very thin light sail or communication dish, it added. Rather than searching for electromagnetic signals, the Galileo project will search for physical objects associated with extraterrestrial technological equipment, also known as technosignatures. The project will follow three major avenues of research. Obtain high-resolution images of UAP through multi-detector sensors to discover their nature. Mm. Search and conduct in-depth research on Oumuamua-like interstellar objects and search for potential ETC uh, satellites. Uh, Hmm. Just a little bit more here. It is very important that we keep in mind that the Galileo project is not for everything and it is not for everyone, said Locken. It has a defined scope and it has limitations, he added, referring to the project's aim of only exploring known physics explanations rather than speculating on prior UAPs, alleged alleged observations, and informal reports. We want to clear the fog through a transparent and scientific analysis by assembling our own data, not data based on government-owned sensors, because most of that data is classified. So currently the team is selecting instruments it plans to purchase and is planning to set up tens of telescope systems globally. And I heard uh, Avi on the Black Vault say that they're going to get about 10 to 15 of these telescopes and set them up in different areas of the world and start studying through there. Um, each system will consist of approximately two 25 centimeter, 10 inches telescopes with a camera suitable to detect objects of interest connected to a computer system that will filter out data. <clears throat> we are planning to get some interesting results in the coming year. Hopefully Loeb said in a recent press conference. Uh, the project named after the Italian astronomer Galileo Galilei, who is known for his pioneering use of telescopes, pledges to dare to look through new telescopes, both literally and figuratively. Wow. Very yeah, interesting. So this, is, this is really, really huh. awesome because, you know, we, we got the government report and everything that the government always gives us, you're going to have to take with a grain of salt and you're mm-hmm. going to have to dissect everything they say. And, you know, you're like, oh, I'm not getting the whole story. So this is really important that they're going to now be doing this private investigation that they want to make very public with, you know, we're not going to get these grainy images of that, you know, the New York times did with the Tic Tac and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, just like, well, like, I mean that, cause to me, when I look at those videos, I'm like, okay, is yeah, that's a Thank UFO, you. I guess. Right. I don't know. Right. Like, yeah. You're just going to have to, oh, okay. All I'm right. taking your word for it. Like, yeah, yeah. That, it, like those videos don't look weird yeah. to me without backstory, you know, like without yep. some context, like I'd look at that video and go, what the fuck am I looking at here? Yeah. You know what I mean, like without like a fighter pilot being, well, this is Fleur. This is yeah, all this explaining. Stuff. This is like the weakest image we could have released of what we saw. <laughs> yeah. So this is a completely, you know, private study and these guys you know, want to make everything they find public. Um, 
And Avi Loeb is just so cool. Man. God, he's a he's, badass. I mean, he's you know, a true scientist, yeah. you know, he's yeah. like, he, and, and like, <clears throat> he wants, he just wants to go where the science takes him. Mm-hmm. He's not, he doesn't have an agenda, but he's also like trying to look outside the box and think outside the box be, as a true scientist would or should. Oh yeah. You know? Should is a key word. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, it will be really interesting to see, you know, in the coming years, what they can find. Kind of. Oh man, I can't wait. You know, this is just something new. This finally, there, and, and not that there has been in the past, but this is a, a just a more focused scientific point to look. This is what we're going to do. This is what kind of like what they're doing, Skinwalker. We're going to observe. We're going to gather. We're going to put all this stuff together and then we're going to throw it out there to ether. I, I just, I love it. I, that's fantastic. I wish him all the luck. I just can't wait. That's so cool. Yeah. He's a, he's got a really good interview on the black vault podcast. Check and I, out. You can watch it on YouTube or find it on podcast platforms uh, that he did with John Greenwald. That's really good. And he talks about the Galileo project and everything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's really awesome. So I'm, I am excited because you know, the government reports one thing and they're studying it, but, you know, they're only going to give us what they want to give us. It, it's spoon fed at best. That's the problem. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. So, what I mean, you got to, you got to swim through all the bureaucracy and, yeah. you know, all the classified, not classified, like stamped down images. It's like, oh, no, we have a high definition picture of that, but. Yeah, but you can't get, have it. You're going to get this grainy thing that, I don't know. Because reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so that is really exciting for fucking humanity. Really, I don't know. Yeah, I I think that's fucking awesome, man. Like, uh, I had I had found this story too, but on the debrief, and it had a different headline, which is why I was like, oh shit, I didn't realize we had the same story until you were <laughs> like, I got, I'm going to talk about Project Calais. I was like, fuck. <laughs> but <laughs> so uh, I like, I'm fully torqued on this this yeah that's badass fucking rad yeah, yeah, yeah. super cool so making everybody progress keep an eye out for you know further further stuff yeah and if you have not read um his book uh if you, it, it's it's we've all read it like it, it is a fantastic read it really it's is wonderful yeah well laid out for sure so mm-hmm. highly recommended yeah. I, I think that's probably one of my favorite books i've read in a, and in, in a, a bit minute. yeah you it's said that up there. yeah for sure well, American Madness and Extraterrestrial. American Madness, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. T says hi to everybody, by the way. I've been oh, nice. tweeting him back and forth. So he's uh, he's still wrapped up in the weird bullshit of QAnon. So, yeah. Oh, he's, man. He's That's still surviving. Awesome. I feel bad for him because his <laughs> so sanity has got to be being tested. Oh, man. So, yeah. And for the listener, well, patrons, you know, uh, T. Krulos, we've had him on. Um, if you missed that episode, go back, check it out, because it was really, really good. You know, really good insight. Um, I'm going to follow up with one last thing, unless Josh has something. This is, so, and I'll be quick with it, really. Um, yeah, go for it, man. Yeah, but th- this interests me, and this is the same thing John was kind of talking about. This is, you know, we're making progress. We're finding different ways to look at things. And initially, so I've got three different articles pulled up here. And initially, the, the original title kind of caught my attention. And then from there, you know, we can kind of work through it a little bit. We're not, not getting into the ways too far. Um, it says, can people with Parkinson's disease see ghosts? So I say what Parkinson's <laughs> disease, can they see ghosts and why that's what the article is about. So this is really interesting. You know, 
again, this is a hmm. field of, you know, just like, you know, Mua Mua and everything else. We, we don't, nobody's an expert in this. If you're an expert, I call bullshit. You know, you don't know any more than anybody else does. But when they find different ways to look at something, and and I think they have on this one, uh, it's just kind of neat. So uh, this is another title just to kind of transfer a little bit of that. Ghosts and Guardian Angels, New Insights into Parkinson's Hallucinations. So Parkinson's disease, which most people should know, but it's a widely seen as a movement disorder, uh, especially when you get older, uh, but can cause an array of symptoms, including hallucinations. Now a new study has shed light on what is happening in the brain during those disturbances. Uh, the study focused on Parkinson's patients who have so-called presence hallucinations or what they seen. They had out of 26 uh, people in the study, uh, they had 24 of them literally called their guardian angels, basically. So researchers found that they were able to induce the hallucinations in a group of Parkinson's patients using a fairly simple robot ghost test, which I'll explain here in a sec, which involved a robotic arm that touched the patient's back. That in turn allowed them to map the brain activity that seemed to underlie the hallucinations, including disrupted connections in parts of the brain's frontal and temporal lobes. So experts said the findings reported April 28th in Journal Science could lead to a better understanding of where the Parkinson's hallucinations are coming from and why. One eventual hope, the researcher said, is to develop an objective way to diagnose and delve into the individual patient's hallucinations themselves. There was a story of one of the patients that we're talking about. She's talking about a guardian angel that she's had for years or since she's had the disease. And after they did this robotic procedure – it literally flipped. Like she's like, oh, no, that uh, no, it makes sense. That's what I'm feeling. Uh, quote, our robotic procedure provides opportunity to investigate specific hallucinations in real time and in a fully controlled environment and conditions, said uh, Bern Oscani, a senior scientist with, oh, God, I'm going to butcher this, Ecola Polytechnic Federale di La Suini in Geneva. Da, da, da. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Hey. Uh, I won't say that, that again. too bad. So Parkinson's disease affects nearly 1 million people in the United States alone, according to the foundation. Um, we know what it is. It's based on abnormal buildup of protein called alpha synuclein in the brain. And over time, the brain cells, um, they produce dopamine and it screws them all up. Basically, it's releasing a lot of different things. And that's what that's what causes movements and, and all the jerkiness of what Parkinson's is. And and it's detrimental. I mean, people don't recover from it as of yet, as far as we know. Um, they're, they're talking about these hallucinations and these ghosts. There was one guy, and this is interesting. So he actually got um, – actually, I'm sorry. Let me go back. So let's talk about the, the actual system. The system is actually quite simple. Uh, what it is is one robot is in front of the subject and will measure the movement and the second robot will feedback signals to the individual that we're testing, Parkinson's patients or healthy subject, and then when we induce a mismatch, so if the front robot is doing something else from the back robot, this is a condition where the present hallucination occurs, he explained. Simply put, Blank's process uses robots to provoke the onset of present hallucinations, which is a feeling that someone is behind you when there's actually no one there. And it's basically a stress test for the brain instead of the heart. That's how they're kind of explaining it. Um, hmm. There's some really cool – so here's a guy that in 2015, Maurizio Di Livrano, a lighting designer based in Mar Mardigny, uh, who specialized in industrial, public, and luxury lighting, da, da, da. He's had Parkinson's disease. He is. He has hallucinations as well. He said, it happens when I'm alone, cooking, or sitting at the table. I see spiders of sorts falling from the ceiling out of the corner of my eye. 
I know very well that they are not there, but instinctively, I am always compelled to turn and look. I've also felt a presence behind me. I felt like the ghost of my mother, he said to the news outlet. Uh, he did this robot test, and after doing the robot test and actually searching brainwaves, um, his conditions have uh, gotten 60 to 70% better to where he's now comfortable with what he sees, and he's able to interpret things different ways and not be so like he knows they're not there, but but they're there type thing. And it actually is is causing him to kind of reverse his Parkinson's a little bit, which shows positive diagnosis. So I don't know. You know, it's just kind of it's it's interesting article when you think about it. Um, and I think was is it Michael J. Fox that has Parkinson's? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Along with a lot of other people, yeah. It, yeah, very I was just thinking like, oh know? shit, frighteners in real life. Oh god, could you imagine? I love frighteners, by the way. Oh, it's such a good movie. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, uh, that's yeah, huh. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I yeah. yeah. So we'll see where that's the progress goes. Weird. But you know, if they can help these people, I just found it really. I found it strange that hallucinations are very, very prevalent in Parkinson's patients. I've never heard of that before. Me so, neither. I'd really like to talk to somebody with Parkinson's about that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For, so if anybody with Parkinson's is listening to the podcast, <laughs> that sounds so – I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> definitely sorry. Yeah, definitely like sorry. To speak to you. Yeah, yes. Well, we would like to have a discussion for sure. But uh, anyway. Um, did you say one million people in the U.S. have Parkinson's? Uh, yeah. It just seems low. Yeah, for how much uh, you hear about it. Yeah, I get. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, as a percentage of the like, population and all the fucked up health problems everybody has these days, you know. Yeah, I just, well, I would just assume that. I don't know how many millions more than pe- that. How many millions of people are in the U.S.? Like four hundred million or something. Uh, at least. Okay. Yeah, uh, let's type it in real quick. Yeah, I guess I have a computer right in front of me. And we can see. Yeah, if I choose that's not to. Right. It might be a different one. Uh, 1.2 million people, it says. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. In the U.S. or that have Parkinson's? In no, the U.S. That yeah. That ha- no, that has Parkinson's. York, Jesus, maybe I have it. <laughs> oh, so in, yeah. Yeah. in uh, 2019, the U.S. had 328.2 million people. So Jesus. I don't know. Oh, quit breeding, everybody. God damn it. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, anyway, so like I said, very interesting article. Um, I would like to learn a little bit more about it because that's, you know, what fascinates me, and, and I guess this goes back to kind of what A.V. Loeb is doing is, or, or anybody that's looking at research in a different aspect or different viewpoint, you know, the whole ghost thing, when you find somebody that's looking at it from a different set of goggles, different set of spectrum, and they're trying to analyze it, they're trying to gather evidence, they're trying to gather uh, research on it, and it's not just ooh spooky ooky type thing. That it it just fascinates me, and that's what I'm I'm curious to go down those roads because it's a new way of thinking, it's a new line of thought. Uh, you know, to see what exactly is this? Is it a glitch? Is it something that's in our mind? Do, do they really? Am I not seeing my dead mother, or is my mind making it up for me because yeah. I've got some? You know, it just it just fascinates me. That whole thing fascinates me. So. Well, and even if it's uh, just straight up. Uh, disease like if that can help with treatment and it's like non-invasive and absolutely uh, not being on a bunch of fucking medications that's pretty cool yep and you know what a lot of things have been discovered on the side that are fuck-ups right i mean yeah we went down this road we're trying to discover this because we're trying to cure this or do this and then we figured out that it actually does this oh cool okay well let's go that way yeah that's like most drugs like uh yeah yeah for sure 
You know? L- look at Putty. You know, the, the the putty was actually supposed to be an explosive uh, material for like bombs way back when, and they decided oh, like that silly it makes putty. A, yeah, yeah, but it makes a better <laughs> uh, copy of newspapers and bouncy balls. So <laughs> yeah, you know, it is what it is. Just funny, crazy. So, um, do you guys have any more articles? I think on your side for the patrons. That's all I had. Uh, so yep, I do not either. Uh, but yeah. actually, I'll leave with this fucking pointless information as i was looking up the population of the u.s i was like looking at populations elsewhere and california has a higher population than the entire country of canada oh jesus it's not surprising no california has 39 and a half million from 2019 canada has 37 and a half million people uh california independent of the u.s like just itself is like the seventh biggest economy in the world yeah crazy well, what about Ireland? How big is the landmass in Ireland? Is that it's about the do, size do we, of Utah? Is it about it's that about the size? It's about the size of Utah. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, fine. Maybe it's bigger, but whatever. <laughs> Too fuck. Well, uh, it's fascinating. When I was there. in Japan, I was uh, I found out that the landmass in Japan is roughly the same size as Montana. I'm like, oh, I was just going to say, fun fact: Japan is also the size of Utah. But <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Fucking anyway. Pretty much anywhere that's not Utah is the size of Utah. Just, you know, you can Just use saying. that to, like, figure out land mass and area wherever you want. You're welcome, Patreons. That one's included in your membership. Well, and then it's fairly easy, too, because Utah is kind of a squarish type thing. So, you know, it's easy to fucking measure up and down for Utah. You know, it doesn't have a bunch of squiggly border lines, which makes it nice. Colorado. Colorado's a square. It's the same size as Utah, right? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I think John's looking it up, maybe. I'm not sure. Colorado. So anyway, well, for those of you who are still hanging on till we find this little fact that John's looking up. Um, I think Ireland and Utah are like almost the exact same size. Wait, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, let's the, not even go down that road. Wait, let's shall we? see. Uh, so, we had oh, like no, 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 the no, most no. epic argument about no. this. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I confuse kilometers with square miles. So, Oh, gotcha. Utah's square miles is 84,899 and square footage of Ireland is 84,421 kilometers squared. So kilometers. Oh, yeah. So all yeah. Ireland's bigger. The number well, is smaller because kilometers yeah. are bigger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and Ireland. So in square miles, Ireland I'm gonna is 22,595 square miles. Wait, so a little bit bigger. A little like way smaller. Wait, what? Read that again, dude. Sorry, I'm about to flip this goddamn desk over. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, man? Yeah, I'm at a loss. I thought I had it for a second. So I'm going. I put square footage of Ireland in Google, and it says area thirty two thousand five hundred ninety five square miles. And then I type in square footage of Utah. And it says 84,899 square miles. Like Utah's like way bigger than Ireland. And I feel like we've had mm, this conversation. Yeah, but we I was the one that was saying have. they were roughly the same size. And you were like, no, they're fucking not. I drove Ireland. I fucking can tell you it's not the same size. I believe that was Well, and, the fucking- and you pulled up a bunch of shit on the internet <laughs> that uh, compelled me to change my assessment. Uh-huh. Which you did. I just backed out of the argument because I'm like, I'm, I don't have a dog in this fight, boys. You can do well, I was very drunk. I, I don't know if you guys remember that I we used to get exactly. shithoused when we did yeah, this. I, I can't remember the exact argument now, but I, fuck, was I saying Ireland was way bigger than Utah? There's no yeah. way I was saying that. And was you I? brought a bunch of stuff to like 
back it up. I want to see the size comparison. Is there a oh, penis wow, yeah. chart says, of Ireland and Utah? Ireland is about three times smaller than Utah. Interesting. Okay. What? Yeah. Which is fucking nuts. So it's a four-incher compared to an eight-incher. Because when we had this exact same fucking argument... It was vice versa. <laughs> yeah, and we went to good old Google... Fucking and, Google. Uh, looked it up, and I was seeing basically an overlay of this that was the exact fucking opposite well if we this, uh, this is, if we ever figure out what episode that's from we're living in a fucking argument. simulation this is proof of it i'm telling you right now <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> i am so goddamn confused now you're, you're gonna go to sleep with that on your fucking head it's yeah not, i'm yeah, no yeah, longer yeah. like worried about being in trouble for any dumb shit i did professionally today and now i'm like Ireland is smaller than Utah, goddamn. I fucking Josh has been mumbling Ireland for like two days. I don't fucking know what's wrong with the guy. Running around his fucking pajamas, Ireland's no pants smaller. on. <laughs> huh. All right. Well, uh, Patreon's on that. I guess we'll. Uh, yeah. oh, we'll let you guys uh, decide the battle for sure. Look that up. So, yeah, a little special Patreon. It it's secure. <laughs> and uh, we're still working on Stranger on the Table and working on some book reviews. So, stand by, guys. We're not lazy. We're just fucking busy. So. We will make sure to. Uh, that's why we wanted to extend this news episode, so you had some, had something else that the normal folk don't have. So, anyway, <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna let you go. Um, you guys got anything? You good? I'm good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank man. you for your patronage. Uh, we love you all, and thank you for listening. Absolutely. Holy shit! Ireland awesome. fits within Utah like below the notch. Yeah. Okay. I'm closing the gates while you mumble right. about Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fucking fine, whatever, bye. <laughs>